Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. We're back in Matthew chapter 18, and we are going to jump right in. Verse 1, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And can you imagine? I mean, a little bit of pride on the line here. They're trying to figure out who's the greatest person. And uh, Jesus, we find teaching about greatness in the example of a child verse 2 and calling to him a child he put him in the midst of them and said truly i say to you unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven now turn i think is a reference to repenting repenting means um Change, uh, thinking differently, it means think different, and it means changing your mind. It means turning from one way of thinking to another. So you've got to repent, you've got to com- continue to change and become like a child. A child that looks at things real simply, not from the standpoint of of trying to be great, but just with the pure amazement and wonder of a child. You will never enter the kingdom. He's talking to us at the same time. Verse 4, Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Greatness has to do with humility, not human accomplishments. Verse 5, Whoever receives such one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow, I mean, how important is it for us to take care of children in such a ministry? Very, very important. And we need to be like children, too. Um, and I think it's also, you could read into this, if you have a Christian who behaves like a child, 
and you take advantage of that Christian, you could take advantage of their humility and cause them to sin. That's even worse. So, the humble we don't want to take advantage of. A child is humble and defenseless, and Christians can be that way too. But the humility in Christ is to others a vulnerability. Verse 7, Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or to lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. So it's a metaphor here to emphasize the necessity of rigorous self-discipline and radically removing sin from the disciple's life before it leads to judgment. Okay, so that's a note from my study Bible. So we need to be we need to have childlike trust childlike vulnerability but we need to have discipline like adults I suppose you could call it adult disciplinary you need to have disciple type discipline the importance of getting sin out of our lives now of course pride is a big source of sin so, to answer the question about who's the greatest, you've got to have humility like a child. And you've got to be disciplined to root out sin in your life. Verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Now, we're still talking about the children here. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. These little children, now McGee talks about it as these little children, if they're in heaven, they're always seeing the face of my Father. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is the will of my Father who's in heaven that so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So these little children whom you take for granted that are just little children if one of these perishes, their little spirits in heaven will always see the face of the Father in heaven. 
that's greater than you can hope for. It shows how much love even one lost sheep has. It's like we have to become like little children to the Lord. And He looks at us as little children. Our Father in Heaven looks at us as little children. And we have to do everything we can not to sin. We have to do everything we can to get sin out of our life. Because our Lord looks at us as little children. We need to be humble like little children. And He looks at us like a parent, like a shepherd. That's how much He loves each child, each little child. So that no one perishes. Who's the greatest? It's not about us. It's about the love that our Father has for us. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. And he, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church... Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is how you settled your disputes between people, between two or three, or between the church. But, he, but, he, but Jesus is giving us a way to help us resolve our conflicts. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. He said this before, and it's like he's giving them and he's given us the authority. If you can cause someone else to believe, you're binding up them for heaven. You're causing them to be ready for heaven. You're causing... You're stimulating their faith. You're, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the ability to collect people, to be fishers of men. But if you try to help somebody and they reject what you're saying, you're re they're rejecting the Word of God between you or two or three others or between the church, you can't get them, and you've lost them, Jesus is saying, well, if you're, if you're losing somebody in my name, then they'll be lost in heaven. Wow, isn't that powerful? If you gain somebody on earth, if they accept the Word of God, you've gained them in heaven. Isn't that powerful? Wow. Uh, that just blows my mind that Jesus gives us that kind of responsibility for others. Verse 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where 
Two or three are gathered in my name there. I am among them. Now that strikes me as powerful. That strikes me as the power of prayer, but the power of collective prayer. That's the power of collective prayer. Verse 21, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter sometimes, again, as McGee says, always says the wrong thing, puts his foot in his mouth. He kind of comes up like magnanimous here, like, you know, Lord, you know, I'm just, everybody's sinning against me. You know, he doesn't look at himself like he's got a problem. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, you know, how long will my brother sin against me? And I, I, you know, how long do I have to keep on doing this? And Jesus is saying to him, as many as, you know, he says, as many as seven times, you know, do I have to put up with all these other people? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So, and I've heard some translations say seven times 70, you know, which would be 490. But the point is, is that Jesus is saying you've got to give a lot of forgiveness. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had in payment had to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. Which was great. Verse 28, But that same servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. My study Bible says that's about $12,000 in today's terms. Okay. Now, the other, the original debt that this um, servant had towards a master, uh, the 10,000 talents, um, my study Bible says 10,000 talents in today's terms would be about $6 billion. Okay. It's like an incalculable debt. Could you imagine having a $6 billion debt forgiven? And then you go out and then you find somebody who owes you $12,000. So what did this, this servant do now? He seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
and in anger his master delivered to him delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Of course he's never going to be able to pay six billion dollars. So he ends up probably dying in prison. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now that is so powerful. Especially in today with politics and all this other stuff. You've got a debt of $6 billion and you've been forgiven. And somebody else owes you $12,000 and you can't forgive them. If you haven't forgiven them, my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's what you have to do. We may have a generation that can't forgive. And the Lord calls that wickedness. You wicked servant. This is such a powerful thing. The principle of forgiveness. And I think also we get in out of this is the principle of prayer. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name. So in other words, if a few people are praying for, you know, to be wealthy or have power, that's not in the, 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 the will of the Heavenly Father. If you're praying... Or something according to, to God's will. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And when we're praying in his name, he is with us. Powerful stuff. Wow. So we're going to stop here. It's Friday. Um, I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali if she's able to record today. And then we'll take a break over the weekend like we usually do and start right back here on Monday as we continue through the book of Matthew. We'll be starting in chapter 19. So from me to all of you, God bless you. And as always, keep your hearts centered on Christ. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to verse 35. So in chapter 18, we have the new birth and it's made essential in entering the kingdom of heaven. So verse 1 of Matthew chapter 18 reads, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. So here, you know, if, you know, let's just think about it. The question that's asked by the disciples. You know, it has this thing of, you know, some of them probably thinking, you know, um, I'm the greatest because I'm understanding scripture better or, you know, um, I'm closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the little child, 
you know, as we've also noticed here, that's the second thing that you can notice is um, he actually, he's called and he comes without hesitation. He came to um, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the problem was not that, you know, the little children coming to him. No, in Jesus' time, it was the adults that were hindering the little ones from coming to him. So, um, verse 3 goes on to read. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become a, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So, he's not actually talking about going back um, to the former childhood. You know, like, uh, he's not talking about regression. Uh, but rather about going to a new life. So, you know, a new birth. So the Lord Jesus Christ gives, you know, logic to the disciples' um, thinking as he actually diverts their attention from the matter of holding an exalted place in the kingdom of heaven to that of, you know, the primary importance of this. That is, first being able to actually secure entrance into the kingdom of heaven so becoming a child like little children so that's you know when you're born um you you know you're spiritually in the infant stage so unless one is born again one won't even be able to actually see the kingdom of um god so the important thing here is a new birth that's what he's actually talking about Scripture goes on to read in verse 4 of chapter 18. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so this is what, this is actually what's important to go back to. So go back to basics, to the entrance into the kingdom of heaven and not to the position that's in the kingdom. Scripture goes on to read verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one to one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea this is harsh language so here the lord jesus christ makes um the evangelization of children um you know a divine imperative so he gives top priority to this type of ministry so you know blessed are those you know the men and women of god who are actually dealing with the youths and all because they are the future generation they are what make up um, the future generation, they've got like a whole life ahead of them. So them growing up with a good moral compass is, is something that's actually really good. Scripture goes into read verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Verse 8. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you it is better for you to enter into the life into life lame 
or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire so this is actually a harsh judgment um so it's better he's saying it's better to actually get into eternal life you know maimed and lame and all than to actually go into eternal hellfire with both hands scripture goes read scripture goes on to read verse 9 and if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out and cast it from you it is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast um into hell so um scripture goes into reverse 10 take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones for i say i for i say to you that in heaven they are angels and always see the face of my father whom is in heaven so here he's saying that you know in heaven they're spirits right and these are what we're calling angels so here he's saying don't offend one of these little ones the children as when one of one of them dies their spirit actually immediately just goes to be with god so all little ones go to heaven and not because they are innocent but because jesus died for them as well so that um so you know that um we we ought not to hinder or despise them um as you know um, give them material the information the studies they need because um you know we are charged with that authority as parents to take care of um the children and guide them to the lord so we charge you that possibility and not just get in the way of it scripture doesn't read verse 11 um for the son of man has come to save that which was lost so here this is different from the parable in the Gospel of Luke that's in Luke 15 um, of the lost sheep. So there the most, the, the, the lost sheep was actually lost. That was in, in the book of Luke and needed to actually be found. So here the emphasis is on um, saving the lost not finding the lost the emphasis that the Lord Jesus Christ has given here. Verse 12 and 13 goes on to read. But, no, sorry, that's verse 18. Sorry, verse, um, that's verse 17 I wrote. So it goes on to read verse, this is verse 12. What do you think if I, if a man has a hundred sheep and one, of them goes astray um if one of them goes astray does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying um scripture goes on to read and if he should find it um as sorry if he should find it assuredly i say to you he rejoices moreover um, so he rejoices moreover 
that sheep than over the 99 that I did um that I did. he sorry I say to you he rejoices over more more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray okay so um here we have um this parable about the sheep um where he actually goes to save the lost he has 99 sheep scripture goes on to read verse 12 verse 14 rather Mm, even so it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish so here Jesus Christ now actually um, so um, yeah so here Jesus Christ sorry, now provides a new pattern for conduct in the church and if you know, your brother here has trespassed against you. Now, scripture reads, that's verse uh, 20, yeah, sorry, verse 15. Um, it says, moreover, if, so here it reads, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your um, brother. You have gained your brother. So here, he is showing us the he's providing a new pattern for conduct as a church. If um, if your brother has actually trespassed against you, you actually just go to him in a transparent way and, and you know talk about it. Verse fifteen doesn't read, but if he will not hear, um, take with you one or two more that. By the mouth of um, two or three witnesses, um, every word may be established. So this is the order in the church. You approach the person who you agree with, you talk about it. If it's not resolved, you go, you take it to church, verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, to hear them, tell it to the church but if he refuses to hear um the church to sorry and if he refuses to hear them tell him tell it to the church but if he refuses even to hear um the church let him be to you like um let him be to you like a brethren and a tax collector so here, don't try and, and we have a lot of people who try to smother things and cover up as, you know, this is not how um, he said to do it. So one has to try to work it out <coughs> in a peaceful manner. Today you have a lot of people like, you know, men of God, they just brush it aside and say, you know what, it's going to go away. But guess what's the skeleton is going to come out. Verse 18, assuredly I say to you, whatever you... Um, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, you will be bound 
Um, only. So assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened, will be loosed, will be loosed. Sorry, in heaven. Uh, verse nineteen goes on to read. Um, well, actually, dwelt on this like I just don't remember what book that is. And okay, verse nineteen goes on to read. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that anything um, concerning anything that they ask, I will be. Um, it will be done for them. Sorry, by the Father in heaven. Verse twenty. For whoever, where two or three are gathered together. In my name, I um, I am there in the midst of them. So here, there are two. There are a couple things to point out. It says, "Assuredly, whatever." Oh, sorry. Uh, verse nineteen. Again, I say. Um, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth um, concerning con- sorry um, so here at speed sorry um, for two or three so here the points to look at is um, he's looking at where two or three are gathered and if they're just gathered in his name and they touch anything that's in God's name. This is like the simplest form of the church. Um, which is, this is how they actually... Um, yeah, this is actually the simplest form of the church. Um, but today, um, it may not be um, as simple as that. To gather in his name. It has to be in his name. And whatever you touch has to be in his name. Verse 21 goes into the... Then Peter came. Peter as usual. Um, Ask him other questions. So it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So Peter here, like he feels, oh, you know, according to the law, it's like two or three times. But he goes up to seven times. So... Um, and this section that we're in is, is actually the last section. It's on forgiveness. So we have a real example. And this is Peter. Peter's example, verse 22, goes on to read. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, um, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, if we multiply it, it comes to 490 times. And obviously by the time, things, by that time, probably the second or third um, um, time. Um, so by that time, things may have actually already worked out. And there's also the age factor. Verse 23 goes on to read. Um... Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him and who owed him 10,000 talents. 
this is like equivalent to like 12 million dollars but he um but as he was not able to pay his master commanded that he be sold to his he'll be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that um and that payment be made um so um verse 26 the servant never fell down before his master saying master please have patience with me and i will pay um and i will pay you all but for the master that servant was moved with compassion released him and forgave him the debt but that servant went out and found someone um then the master of that servant was moved and found moved with compassion, released him and forgave him. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow um uh, where am I sorry uh went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him one hundred denarii, that's like about seventeen dollars, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So um this fellow, um, but the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, denarii. So this is like seventeen dollars, and and to him by the throat said, "Pay me, or what you owe me." So his fellow servant fell down to his feet and begged him, saying, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you." And he would not, but um but um he begs him and saying um have patience with me and i will pay you and he would not but went and threw him into prison until um until uh, uh, he threw him in prison into prison till he should pay the debt so when fellow when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called, uh -huh, um, sorry, then his master, after he had called him, he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Um... Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debts because you begged me. Should you not? Um, should you not also have that um, compassion to your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him. And delivered, um, sorry. Uh, and his master was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So, my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart, um, does not forgive his 
better in trespasses. Here, this is the new principle that's given by the Lord Jesus Christ. But this today is not the basis for forgiveness. Um. So, you know, and this is for believers today. If we look at the book of Ephesians, that's Ephesians 4 verse 32. It reads, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so let's be kind. Let's have tenderness towards one another. So because the Lord forgave us, who are we not to forgive? We are to forgive the... Um, because, um, you know, who are we not to forgive? The Lord Jesus Christ forgave us uh, the same way. And this is the principle of Christian conduct in our study today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.